everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Gin and Beer. I am Meg, and this week I am very excited to be joined by a friend, Matt, from the awesome podcast Pick a Disc. Hello, Matt. Hello. Thank you for joining today. So Matt hosts a podcast, like I said, called Pick a Disc. I've actually been on quite recently to talk about A Fever You Can't Sweat Out by um, Panic at the Disco, but it's very, it's kind of similar to my own concept with drinking, but instead of picking a drink every week, he has listeners pick an album. So Matt, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about your show and how you got into podcasting? Uh, the yeah, so Pick a Disc is pretty much me talking about people, why they kind of want to talk about an album they picked. Um, so, yeah, so people come on, talk about an album for, for whatever reason they want to, but pretty much everyone's picked albums they like, which makes sense because I, I don't know if people want to, <laughs> want to voluntarily pick albums they dislike. But um, And I usually talk about them, about their emotional connection to it, if they've got history with it and why they've picked it. And sometimes go off on kind of weird tangents based on the stuff. And it's, yeah, and it's mainly me to learn stuff because I realise that there's a lot of very famous musicians and stuff that I've not listened to. So it's purely selfish reasons where I just kind of <laughs> need to listen to stuff. But um, yeah, and... I pretty much started podcasting, uh, I've been on podcast for, I can't remember how long, I mean, I used to be part of a writing community online, and we dabbled in it in like, oh, the late, the early 10s, I think about 2000, 2011, but nothing really came of it, then my friend Tony, um, who will be brought up later on, um, he started doing a podcast called Black Hole Cinema, where he was talking about films, and he kind of eventually got bored of that, but then, uh, then moved to one called Pick a Flick, which um, acute listeners might realise, oh, that rhymes with uh, Pick a Disc. And um, I've guessed, I guessed it on that to talk about a few films. And I said to him about, oh, hang on, what if we do a backdoor pilot for one the same concept? Because uh, the concept was that people nominate films that he and the guests talk about. Um, but the nominations were done by other listeners and the guests when they picked it. Um, and I said, oh, let's try that with music. And someone nominated um, Nick Cave's Murder Ballads. Um, and we tried that as a, as like a test one. And um, if anyone ever wants to hear that episode, it's actually currently episode 11 of the Picky Disc feed because I used it for when I moved house and I couldn't actually record an episode. And then eventually, and then I decided to do about two episodes of it um in 2015 and it kind of died a death and then it'd always been in the back of my mind and then I think it was about 2018 um I decided to try and do it again and somehow managed to not stop which is interesting because like the longest that any other podcast I've done has been about three episodes and I'm gearing up to episode 50 now so uh yeah well, that's that's great and I, I think I'm definitely myself included obviously because I've just massively pivoted my the you know subject matter slash ethos of gin and beer but I feel like every podcaster has that sort of you know generation from one the, you know the, they had an idea ages ago and then it turned into something and it turned into something else but then once you hit that groove then it like that's why I, when I was when gin and beer it was much more generalist it was really hard to pump out episodes every yeah. week and ever since I've I've made it into it's got just a very clear theme um, it's really been, it's been easy to get guests and it's been easy to do it every single week. And I feel like it must be the same because so many people want to talk about music. Um, yeah. but also everyone has different taste in music. So yeah. it's really easy to just 
constantly you're never going to run out of of subject matter there and like we did the panic at the disco one because it was the 15 year anniversary of that record so mm-hmm. there's always going to be different reasons to bring up albums people haven't thought about in a long time so yeah, yeah. i love it it's great um, i mean I, I i really quite like podcasts where um people talk about stuff that they like as well i mean there's a couple ones that kind of influence picky disc where people just come on to talk about their guilty pleasures about stuff because oh i quite uh there's a, pod, a podcast that stop notes stop now stop for a couple of years which is a very key uh <laughs> influence on picky disc called guilty pleasures where and one of them was like a whole episode talking about the fact that they like eating mcdonald's in the shower and, <laughs> <laughs> which, and I'm, not, I'm not lying um and it's just like kind of like kind of weird stuff. But then sometimes there'll be people talking about certain bands or music or TV shows and stuff. And uh, another podcast I attempted to do was called Your Perfect TV Show, which was very similar to Picky Disc, but um, was conceptually a load of work where I interviewed, well, I speak to someone and we kind of went back. We started from their current favourite show and then we went back for the favourite shows and we did for generations. So like we and how their music taste and the bit that the bit that kind of killed it was that during the conversation I would then try and craft their perfect TV show based on their previous four ones but I quite liked the fact I quite liked mapping about why they like certain things and what common mm-hmm. things linked them and stuff and that kind of leaked into kind of pick a disc in, in the ethos of just being positive most of the time so yeah so yeah. I think something similar to what you do know, when you talk about kind of drinks and people's histories it's always stuff about what they quite like and um, why they like it in the history of it and stuff and yeah there's kind of like a thematic crossover in terms of just why people like things they like yeah no, i i absolutely agree and i think that even if you aren't you know i mean i know you you mentioned to me when we um first started talking about gin and beer and stuff that you that you don't drink that much or you don't dabble that much in cocktails but i think you know even with your podcast if it's a genre artist that I've never historically been that fussed with listening to other people talk about something that they're interested in is just interesting. Um, and you can, you can find yourself getting into it, even if it's something that wouldn't have actually struck your Mm -hmm. interest, um, on your own. So, yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, you mentioned to me, um, well, okay. First I should say for the listeners that this episode is going to be kind of a crossover between gin and beer and pick a disc because we are going to be discussing our, each of us, me and Matt are going to pick our top five favorite songs about drinking. Um, so it's going to be music and drinking themed, but before we get into our lists, um, I know when we spoke before we started podcasting together that you mentioned that your tipple of choice is cider. Um, which I've, I've shot on cider on multiple (laughs) episodes of this podcast. It's nothing personal, but, um, yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about that. What sort of ciders you like, what got you into it? Okay. I mean, I think the reason that it's not a full on cider episode is, um, I think when you first approached me, I said, I think someone needs someone who's a lot more dedicated and a lot more of a drinker than me needs to fight the cause. (laughs) And like hashtags, <laughs> hashtag team cider. Um, yeah, and me in the background going, yeah. Um, <laughs> with like a cheap, you know, like with the cardboard saying, yeah. Um, yeah, I I think I mainly drifted the cider. I think so, I say I quite like the taste of it. And I remember much when I tried when I tried stuff like lager and other sorts of bitters and ales and stuff, it's there's always kind of a weird aftertaste that I'm not a fan of. Whereas, cider's a lot more cleaner or at least it's a, mm. lot, it's a lot more tolerable and I think it's a lot sweeter as well and I quite like the, the sweet taste of stuff um, and I can't remember the 
really, really early stuff. But uh, I think I first started drinking like Strombo and stuff, and this was like post eighteen. Because again, as much as I'm not a drinker, it wouldn't surprise anyone. And that, <laughs> wouldn't surprise anyone that my first drink was actually my eighteenth. 18th birthday which translates to dull for most people but um yeah so um so I kind of just just like Strombo for a bit and and anything that else I've kind of tried in terms of like bitters or ales and stuff and I've tried some and some are okay but they're just a bit I don't know saying that aftertaste and there's like a weird I don't know just it doesn't taste as sweet I think I like the sweetness of cider more than anything yeah um and it's come to and I just quite, and I'm actually I'm quite a fan of, um, if particularly if I'm out and able to, able to have a drink. Um, if there's anything like on tap or something that I've never tried before, um, mm-hmm. I'll always, oh, I'll try some of that. So it's even whether it's just like a half or something, I'll always try it. Something I've not tried. So it, yeah. So I, and so I can't, I can't remember some examples, but, um, no, I do. I remember, um, like years and years ago, I kind of remember like going into a bar in Liverpool with my mind and then like, seeing Aspals for the first time and trying that and like becoming a big fan of that um and yeah and it's to the point where um I will try and find outside it's kind of like how uh kind of like how annoyingly if you go to a bar or restaurant for the first time you always seem like you always seem to go for the thing you always always have to try and compare it to something else yep. which to me seems to be like double chicken burgers or something but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so like yeah so and I've been trying to find like different ciders and stuff and i have d- dabbled about like cider like getting some of those like delivery ones you can get where you can kind of like have some like liberty to you as like testers but uh i haven't got i haven't dabbled into that yet but uh so yeah yeah no i mean you're absolutely i i'm in the minority that doesn't like cider but i i think my disdain for cider actually probably says more about me than anything because when I was in college in back in Chicago, um, probably the most popular cider in America is Angry Orchard. I don't even know if you can find that anywhere. Probably not because there's so many better ciders you can get here. Um, no, but- I think I think you can actually because I think uh, Angry Orchard or something Orchard anyway. I think I think one of the logos has a pig on it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. Um, but it was like I mean they do like you know, kind of Christmassy ones and the holidays, like they do different themed ones. And it, it's definitely nice, but it, just the classic, um, it was like a bank holiday weekend in Chicago. And my friend and I got a case for really cheap. I didn't, I didn't get sick or anything, but I just drank so much of it. And like, be, I think because it's so sweet, the headache the next day, um, I've just never been able to bring myself to go back to it. But I did my flatmate, when I first moved to um, the UK was she was brought up in Cornwall and she was like, you have to try Cornish cider. Like she's like, it's so much different than all anything else that you'd associate with cider. <laughs> I guess I just haven't gotten around to it. I do need to try some. My, uh, my nanny's actually from Cornwall. So, um, but instead of cider, it's pasties. So like my, <laughs> my, my family seems to have like a kind of emotional connection to the concept of a pasty. So, uh, but I completely get with the, um, with the kind of like one bad experience. I mean, I many many years ago, um, I sworn off vodka, um, and that's mainly because of my friend's thirtieth. Um, there was they had like kind of like double vodkas, and it was like two pound. And I was like, oh yeah, great double vodka and coke for two pound. And there was a reason why it was two pound because yep. it was yep. <laughs> it was it was 
dodgy and it's one of the it was one of the very very few times where i kind of woke up the next day and lost a day trying to recover yeah that's only happened yeah. about two or three times um actually that's probably one of the big reasons i'm not much of a drinker it's the fear of the morning after more than anything but um yeah but that put me off vodka like forever yeah and i think the smell of it just kind of like it's like ptsd I think so many people yeah. have had that experience with vodka just because it like it's so cheap and you can get it when you're younger and mm-hmm. everyone just takes it a bit too far. Or on the flip side, it's really easy to mask the flavor of vodka. Um, like when I was in uni, we made something called apple pie moonshine, which is like it you basically steeped vodka with like cloves and cinnamon sticks and like it, like you were making mold cider. Um, and it just completely eradicated the taste of vodka and it literally just tasted like mold, like non-alcoholic cider. It was delicious, but then obviously you just ended up drinking way too much of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I, I actually, I've said it on the podcast a million times, so I'm really not a fan of vodka. I, try to avoid it where possible (laughs) yeah i totally agree (laughs) (laughs) so because i i've had so like i said i had cider a bunch like that i bought in in college in chicago and then i've i've had it probably once or twice i really haven't gone out of my way to have it in the uk which I, i probably really should but is there anywhere else um travels that you have tried cider or enjoyed it do you make a point of getting it when you're on holiday um, I've not been abroad often or much. I've only been abroad about a few times. Um, but re- like a couple of years ago, I went to Japan and um, it turns out they're not very much cider drinkers over there. So, <laughs> yeah, so you'd love it there. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. And, yeah. And quite a good chunk of the, it. Was like a, it was like a, I was on a small group tour. So I went on my own and was in the group of about 14 people and a tour guide. Um, and quite a, I remember kind of like spending the ages trying to find like cider. Like, no one, where, where, there's no cider here. And the, the tour guide was, eh, Japan's not really a cider thing. I mean, you can probably look at some of the British side pubs and stuff. And, um, so took the opportunity to try, I think, a couple of the beers and stuff. So I had, I think it's Asahi, which is, I think, mm-hmm. the, the Japanese brewing thing. And 25 past seven tonight was not the first, was not the time to look on Wikipedia and realise it changed the whole of uh, beer in Japan, apparently. But um, <laughs> I remember trying that, and it was okay and stuff. But um, I think one of the big things, I think, was, like, you could actually drink outside as well. So a lot of us was going to 7-Elevens, and there was this kind of, like, almost alcohol pop, pop thing called mm-hmm. Str- Strong Zero, which was about 9% kind of, like, al- like flavoured I think it might have been beer, I think, um, but but it just tastes like pop. So mm-hmm. he, he was like drinking these cans of this like lemon, like lemon strong zero and stuff like, <laughs> and because it, it's slightly bigger, I think it's slightly bigger than the usual can. I think it's about, uh, I can't remember the size of, but it's bigger than usually like, it's like 550 mil I think here, but it's probably about 600 and something um, and 9% proof and it's that kind of taste where you can't taste any alcohol, so you drink it like you drink pop and... You go a bit ooh, um, <laughs> but yeah. But I managed to find like a couple, couple of bars of cider. I was, I was um, myself and uh, one of one of the people on the course uh, on the tour found a bar called the Man on the Moon in um, 
Kyoto, um, which was like an like an not an Irish bar, but just like they had the kind of Magnus. And I was like, hey, Magnus, um, and like bought, bought it just for the sake of it. And it turned out that with exchange rate, it was about an eight quid for a bottle, <laughs> eight quid for a bottle of Magnus. But um, yeah, but like it was it was nice. And then in um, Osaka, um, we stayed in we stayed in like a capsule hotel in I think the America uh, the Americana or the Mercura. It's like America Town section mm-hmm. of. Um, of Osaka and there was like a bar there called the Shamrock and Roll Irish Bar um, and I've been I've been wandering around for the afternoon and I found a couple of like kind of weird hidden kind of record shops and stuff and I found this like and there was and there was advertising side like side and stuff and I sent I sent you a picture of the bo- board and mm-hmm. I can't remember what the side it, what side it was but it says um, no I am not a beer I, I think it was Strongbow. Yeah. Strongbow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was Strongbow. I was like, yeah, he's Strongbow. And he goes, I'm not a beer. I'm a cider. <laughs> and I went in and like, kind of like bought Strongbow, which was probably about, I don't know, £15 for a pint or something. Um, but yeah, but this bar was great. Um, and there was like advertising stuff. Like it was later on in the, af- in the afternoon, there was like a, a there was going to play um, Punk and Drublick by No Effects all the way through and there was advertising email nights and stuff and walked in and they're thinking Fortnite Boy was actually playing on the stereo and stuff and they got all like kind of Paramore and um, Panic at the Disco and advertising all these email nights and stuff and I was like man this place is amazing and they had rugby on for some uh, some reason <laughs> on the TV as well and um, it was that great I went back and I remember telling a couple of the other people uh, I went to on it about it as well and we went back later on um, and that's when I that's when I achieved one of my goals for the Japan trip to talk to a local who was talking to me about music. Who was kind of using Google Translate to talk about punk music and stuff, and that's awesome. that was really cool. But they then had um, but they had these cocktails with um, but they were named after kind of bands and albums. So you had mm-hmm. the Mr. Bright side, you had the Champ. I think it was the uh, it was the Champagne not Supernova uh, Champagne Supersonic, which was based on an Oasis, and that had whiskey in it. And I think I had one. I think I had one of them. I think um, I, I know that I think the Mr. Brightside was someone uh, someone else had and stuff, and I didn't really can't remember that much that was in it. I think it was whiskey in the Oasis one, which is why I had it. Um, but yeah, that was just like that was just great. And um, <laughs> if I remember back in Osaka, because we only spent one night there, um, else I probably would have gone there the next day as well. But um, yeah, so that was like one of the more memorable, probably more expensive um, ciders that I remember having. But, uh, <laughs> It wasn't anything, like, but it wasn't anything local. So I don't think they had anything local. So it was kind of imported stuff. So yeah, but, that makes but the quest sense. for cider was fulfilled anyway. <laughs> yeah, I went to Hong Kong last year to visit um, my my best friend lives there. I, I that was the only place in Asia that I've I've ever been before, and it was great. But because Hong Kong is, um, you know, obviously it's like it, it's like an island and everything. I mean, very close to mainland China, but it, everything is imported. Um, so I definitely couldn't have my drinking habits that I have here living in Hong Kong and, and still be able to have a roof over my head and food. It was same thing. Like a beer was like 12 quid for a bottle, not even a pint. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see the the different i think drinking is a good way to see the difference in cost when you travel places and also the difference in what they actually drink but i i've heard nothing but good things about japan it's very high on my list of places that i want to go yeah definitely want to go back one day got unfinished business <laughs> unfinished business with a sock <laughs> more I need to see ciders to find <laughs> yeah more ciders i can probably get for cheap just down the road <laughs> <laughs> 
Excellent. I love it. All right. So shall we dive into our favorite songs about drinking? Mm -hmm. As you are the guest, Matt, take it away. Go for what is your first one? Okay. So turns I think what I've discovered that it's more songs about the consequences and effects of drinking rather than the actual drinks themselves, which, um, (laughs) but um, the first one I'm going to mention first is one I really, really quite like. And one is mainly because I think um, they're a local band and um, they there's a pub about 20, about 50 minute drive from me and there's a blue little blue English heritage sign outside of it saying it was the site of their first ever gig, um, which is the Hare and Hounds in Birmingham. And the song is Red Red Wine by UB40, which um, I just recently discovered is actually a cover. So... Uh, I did not know that, but that song was also on my list. It's fine. I've got some backups, but excellent choice. I love that song. Yeah, it's, um, but I think it's, again, it's, okay, it's easy to go for because of the title. Mention mentions wine in it and red wine and stuff, but it's kind of like a, kind of like a, like a full-on kind of a, like drinking sorrows. Yeah. Drinking, drinking sorrows with wine stuff. And um, the UB40 version, um, it's got the kind of like a, well, it's that seventies kind of like reggae sound to it, which makes it seem. It's got the kind of like a slightly upbeat back into it, which I quite like, considering it's kind of a sad song when you think about it. Oh, definitely, yeah. I I always um, every year, except not really this year, because I just felt like there wasn't a lot of new music and stuff coming out this summer in terms of like, you know, top top of the pops type music but i usually try to make a summer playlist um, of songs that i'll always just associate with that summer but then i also have a playlist that's songs that are just like timeless summer classics and red red wine is always on that list because it's just got a nice like you said it's got that reggae summer vibe to it Mm -hmm. um great okay so my first one that i'm going to do is one that I actually mentioned on Pick a Disc when you asked me, and that is Red Solo Cup by Toby Keith. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a very, very country song and also um, extremely American because it is an ode to the Red Solo Cup, which is a plastic cup. It's red. It's actually got... um, Handily enough, if you get the actual brand Red Solo, because Red Solo is a brand... um, or solo is the brand and then the cups are red, I think, but it has like notches telling you like what would be a glass of wine, what would be like a pint of beer. Um, I think even what would be a shot. So, um, they're clever, but it's just, if you ever watch a, a film set in America, whether it's like a teen party or a college party or just a party in general, you're going to see people drinking out of those red cups. So it's got yeah. a lot of nostalgia attached to it. Yeah. I think, um, cause when you mentioned it, I was editing it and I was like, and you mentioned it, and it never, cl- it never clicked, never clicked at first. And I was like, "Oh, what is the Red Solo Cup?" And then ended up watching this ten-minute video about the history of it, and then kind of every kind of college-based American comedy, or even high school when they go to college, kind of makes sense. I mean, I was watching an episode of a TV last night, and there was a college party, and it was like the Red Solo Cups and stuff, and I was like, it just kind of like, <laughs> and that was like a sudden. That's like a jigsaw piece of kind of American <laughs> culture, something just like put together and stuff. And I never realized it was actually kind of like a brand. And apparently, like, there's like stores that sell them here for like American themed parties and stuff. And I just never clicked on it before. 
Yeah, no, my um, one of my best friends, she's in London. She's since moved back to America, but she had a party a couple summers ago, um, and she wanted to set beer pong up. And she texts me, and she's like, "I forgot to get red solo cups. I think Asda has them near you." And and sure enough, they did. I had to actually like, they weren't near, all they were near like party stuff they weren't near like where you just find regular plastic cups and stuff i actually had to go to someone and be like sorry to be the token american with you (laughs) red solo cups but yeah they're good very random but like i said lots of nostalgia all right what is your next song matt okay so um from the this is from like the on the others well now, apart from going to Mallorca when I was younger, the only other time I went abroad was when in 2010 where me and some friends went to America um, and we kind of did a mini road trip from about, from like uh, Texas all the way to LA. And um, the last last two nights we spent there, we spent in LA um, and we was drinking, so we was drinking and throughout my, through in my head throughout the whole kind of two days, um, the song Drinking in LA from Ran Van 3000 was just playing in my head. However, I'm not going to pick that version because I actually prefer a cover version by The Twang, um, nice. which I think actually another local band, Birmingham, actually, which is not deliberate, honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but the song Drinking Drink in LA is kind of like a... I'm assuming people probably know the song. If not, it's, it's kind of like about these two uh, kind of guys, like guys in their mid-20s kind of trying to pitch a movie or just throwing movies and stuff and kind of it then kind of morphs about the fact they kind of seem to be kind of dr- wasting their mid-twenties just drinking and doing nothing apart from kind of pitching movies or trying to write and stuff and there's that kind of weird kind of quarter-life crisis element to it um and the only the only issue is is that the lyrics say drinking in LA at 26 and I was 25 at the time so <laughs> whenever I actually listen to that song now I have to change the lyrics to 25 because there are <laughs> because I, I can't remember what we was drinking, but there were, again, there was like a, we, we kind of found like a British pub in um, Santa Monica, mm-hmm. um, which was showing like kind of, they had like a dartboard and um, and there's like kind of like a, Americans that were kind of playing it wrong. Um, so my friend was trying to show people how to play it right, uh, how to play it properly with the 501 rules and stuff. And yeah, so and we ended up like drinking like some like a which I can't remember exactly what we was drinking. It was like ten years ago, and then we kind of ended up on Santa Monica Beach in the dark, and um, yeah, um, slightly sozzled at the time. Um, <laughs> and I think I was drinking that, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that song and that song I think has a kind of emotional connection to me as well because of uh, it's like one of the better holidays that I had. But um, sorry, note as well, and there's video evidence of this, and I've been. Video ed- evidence of this. Um, we're on Santa Monica Pier about 11 p.m. and it's dark, and we're looking at the Pacific Ocean. And me, me drunk, goes out there somewhere is Japan. I'm gonna go there one day, <laughs> and uh, tying it all thematically together in my life in terms of <laughs> using stuff. And um, yeah, and and then I think I was walking back, and I started singing this song again <laughs> quite loudly. So uh, yeah, so drinking LA has got that kind of emotional kind of tie to me so to be honest i mean these you know we've chosen songs that are about drinking but i i feel like both of us have probably chosen songs it's more that we associate with some sort of particular memory of drinking um no i i really like i love that song i don't know that i've heard that version but i'll have to look it up um okay 
I am going to go next with, um, this is kind of a lame, low-hanging fruit, but Shots by LMFAO. Um, okay. And the, the reason why I'm choosing this song, not because I think it's any sort of, you know, feat of music, you know, musical talent, but I find it funny because Shots came out, I think, when I was 16 or 17, Um in high school and in, well, I mean, certainly in the UK, a lot of 16 and 17 year olds are drinking. In the US, I'm sure quite a lot of 16 and 17 year olds are drinking, but I was not one of them. <laughs> I did not start drinking until I went to uni um, and didn't really even start drinking properly until I was actually um, 21, like legally could drink. But um it's funny looking back on shots because that song came out in high school and it was so popular and every school dancer, I went to a boarding school. So, you know, every time we were just hanging out in someone's room, we'd blast that song and we'd be dancing. And it's just so funny to me now looking back and thinking about us, like these children dancing to this song about doing shots when none of us had ever done shots. Like we weren't doing shots and we were listening to it. Like it was just this whole, the song was an ode to this pastime that we had, like no experience with whatsoever. Um, and I always said that that's on a short list of songs that I wish had been popular when I was of drinking age, because by the time I started drinking, that song was just not popular anymore and you never hear it anywhere. But yeah, that's my, that's my little story about shots by LMFAOs. I used to dance around my boarding school to it back before I had any idea of what alcohol was like. <laughs> All right, what are we to? Number three, I think. Yeah. Um, so my next one next one is more about perhaps it's one of my favourite bands and the meaning of the song is always is I think is kind of debated, but a lot of it's considered to be an ex member who was kind of who was who was kind of thrown out of the band because of his drinking. And um the song's about this this song is about the band had never confirmed it. But never denied it, and or at least tried not to acknowledge it. But um, "Man Overboard" by Blink One Eight Two, and it's apparently supposed to be about um, Scott Rayner, who um, who was kind of like asked to leave because of his drinking issues and stuff. And a lot of the a lot of the lyrics are kind of kind of like a darker. Uh, I mean, if if you, if you if you if you listen to the song with that mindset, it completely fits. Um, but it, it's kind of. Again, I think it is kind of like about the third party looking in on someone who's who has issues with alcohol and stuff. And um, again, <laughs> again, as I said earlier, a lot a lot of songs seem to be more about the consequences of drinking, and it's not a, not a fun song, but I think it's a really good one. So great, yeah, I I love Blink One Eighty Two. They have such a talent for writing songs with some pretty heavy hitting subject matters, but having them still be really catchy songs that can, you know, find their way as, as like a radio mm. hit. Um, but when you realize, you know, when you're singing it in your car, you're like, Oh my goodness, this is a bit intense. Yeah. Um, okay. My third that I am going to go for is um, piano man by Billy Joel. So this is more, I mean, it, the song is definitely about drinking. Um, I guess it's just one of my favorite songs in general, I suppose, um, in terms of just classics. But I think I think the reason why it's on the list for me is because it's a song that I just feel like 
I have just countless memories of, you know, whether it's in the UK or back at home in the US or when I was a kid at summer camp of this song just coming on at like the end of an evening and just kind of swaying and singing it with people. Um, and it is, you know, when you actually listen to the lyrics and stuff, it is just it's it's a really interesting song. And I'm a pretty big Billy Joel fan. Um, so, yeah, Piano Man. Yeah, um, Billy Joel's not. I mean, I think the only team I seem to know more about Billy Joel because of um, podcasters that I know who are big, big fans. I know um, John Porterville from the Play This podcast um, is big Billy Joel fan. Um, the only ones I really know are Link Uptown Girl and We Didn't Start the Fire, which, if I'm honest, I still think is a great song, even though some people. Oh, hate I it. love that song. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. And listening to people trying to modernise it is great. Um, someone did one of the Crown of Eyes and stuff, but since I don't know Piano Man that much, the only one I, I'm trying to remember it, and all I remember is the chorus. Um, and I always thought it was a Elton John song for years. Um, yeah, I don't, but, uh, I don't think it's because I, I was with some friends probably about a year ago, and we were just doing some, you know, drunken karaoke. And I was pushing for that song and my boyfriend and one of my friends knew it, but my other friend who's English was, had never heard it. So I don't think it's necessary. I mean, I think you, Billy Joel, I think is kind of, especially if you're from like New York, he's kind of just like a national treasure in the US. Um, but you mentioned we didn't start the fire. I had a school project when I was probably 12 that we had to rewrite that song to um, current events. And that was one of the, like, I feel like there's not that many like history projects that kind of sit with you for the rest of your life. But that was, I loved doing that. It was so much fun. <laughs> and it was so cool to see what all my different classmates chose Cause we got free reign of what we thought were significant events that should have been included. Um, and it would be crazy to try to do that exercise. Now I feel like there would be enough events in 2020 alone <laughs> to do the whole song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah one. there's a the great there's great uh, i mean it's it's dated now but um the singer king charles did a version for his i think 2011 um or 20 2010 uh album and like it and i think one of the lyrics is labor government you've embarrassed us all which <laughs> really dates the <laughs> song but uh yeah oh, good <laughs> all right what is your number four um again again going local um i wonder if it's just people from birmingham just who just write songs about uh drinking (laughs) i'm not sure but um i'm going with the streets now originally i was going to pick um blinded by the lights but i think that's more of a drug trip rather than drinking Mm. um so i've gone for the i've gone for a song from a different album which is more or less about drugs in 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 uh, amsterdam but um the chorus but the drinking involved as well um it's called too much brandy by the streets off their first album uh, original pie material um which is basically just kind of a retelling of a story of a night out in amsterdam which just gets bizarre and bizarre and bizarre and mike skinner's delivery kind of gets more and more slurred <laughs> more and more slurred but um but has that great has that great um chorus which as in, in its own little way, my body was trying to say that you better stop drinking brandy. Which, a <laughs> couple of times, I've actually sang to myself, but swapped the word brandy for something else. So, uh, so you better stop drinking vodka, and oh, you better stop drinking whiskey. And so, 
again, kind of translates it for personal stuff, but um, and it's it's great. It's it's one of his in terms of storytelling as well. I've mentioned on bigger disc um, about a different album, but I think this Mike Skinner is like a genius when it comes to writing and um, his lyrics and stuff, and and his stuff with others, particularly with this one, he has this great storytelling which just kind of just flows really well considering he's got a very unique kind of style of flow and yeah and it's that chorus that chorus is just transferable <laughs> it is yeah I can apply that to a lot of my own vices um okay my next is friends in low places by garth brooks so i'm going very country again um it's actually funny most of the ones that i chose for today were american songs um but this is sim- very similar to Piano Man. It's just a song that if this were to come on while you're in a bar, I mean, I can, I think loads of times in college or even just like family parties and stuff at home where it's just a song about being with friends in a CD bar and the drinks never stop flowing. Um, it's, pro- it's probably one of the first ones that comes to mind when I actually think about songs about drinking and it's just very catchy and timeless. But I actually, funnily enough, um, it's by Garth Brooks, but I don't think that he's on Spotify um, because I have a playlist that is basically songs that I just think everyone goes crazy over when they've had a few drinks. And Friends in Low Places has been been on that playlist for as long as I can remember. Um, And so before United this podcast, I was scrolling through that playlist to see if there were any that I had forgotten about in there. And I was like, oh, the version that I have in here isn't by Garth Brooks. Like, why don't I have – I'm not actually sure. It's not by anyone that I that, – who I know of. I was like, why don't I have the original in there? And then I looked him up on Spotify, and, like, he comes up – like, they acknowledge that he's an artist, but you can't actually play any of his music. So I think he's one of those few left that refuses to be on Spotify. Okay. Got, um, Garth Brooks is – Crooks up. The reason I'm going to ask is about it's probably going to highlight this. Is it Brooks or Crooks? I can never remember. Brooks, B R. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. No, I don't know if he's been that if he's that big in the UK. If I'm honest, I if he has... I honestly highly doubt it. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, I think he would have been at the peak of his popularity in the 90s, I want to say. I think Friends in Low Places came out in 1990. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know what, that this is a total side tangent, but I learned from some friends that country music is massive in Ireland, and like particularly Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. um, because I just assumed that country music was just not really popular over in the UK. It's just so much more of a, um American thing culturally. And it's... I enjoy country music in a certain time and place but i wouldn't say that i'm any sort of fan or go out of my way to listen to it but yeah i had a um a co-worker who was based out of our belfast office and he said that country music is absolutely massive there which i thought was oh, uh. really really random and really funny um but you know whatever works <laughs> <laughs> All right, and what is your final number five song about drinking? Um, I'm going over the pond, but I'm going to Canada this time. So um, <laughs> um, I was so tempted to put Jumble with Tub Thumping because it was brought up on that, but and as much as I love that song, um, it's great. Um, I managed to find the five more, but this one I think 
Um, Manabe, it has the word alcohol in its title. Well, it is just t- alcohol uh, by the band <laughs> Bare Naked Ladies. And um, I'm a massive, massive fan of the band. Um, this is from the album Stunt, which is the same album that the song One Week is on. So, which, That's a great you know, album. Yeah. Um, I recently t- talked about the sequel album, which I prefer, which is called Maroon. But um, Stunt, I think, is great. But the song as well, because <laughs> the first time I saw them was about 10 years ago. Um, I'm pretty sure it was September. I think I've got, I think I've got the ticket on the board in front of me. Uh, with the date now, it must be on the other one in the other room. Um, yeah, so I saw them for the first, I think I've seen them three times live. And um, during, and during like the encore, um, Tyler Russell, the drummer, um, had the microphone and says, uh-oh, the drummer has the mic now, and took the lead <laughs> vocals of this. Because this, um, Stephen Page did the lead vocals of this, but this was, but then this was after he left. This is like about a year after he left. So Tyler Russell did, and basically took the lead vocals of Alcohol, and I didn't think much of the song, um, but then that kind of live performance kind of changed it for me, and it's got, again, it's like a, it sounds quite fun, sounds quite fun, but has this kind of underlying darkness mm. that quite a few, a lot of, um, and you use surprises people about how much darkness there is on in some Ben Aker Lady songs. Um, and it kind of has um, the great chorus where it's, I love you more than I did the week before I discovered alcohol. Uh, <laughs> which I think is a, a brilliant, brilliant line, fun line and stuff. And uh, and the, ver- the first verse, which goes, alcohol, my permanent accessory, a party time necessity and, if I think if alcohol needs a branding and a theme tune, this song would probably work for it. <laughs> I just love this song. Yeah, that's a good one. Probably a good one to go out on as well. Um, I actually cheated a little bit. I had two two chosen for my fifth one, and one of them was Tub Thumping, but I was like, because uh-huh, okay. I had a feeling you were going to pick it, and I was like, I'll wait and see. So I'll go with that one. The other one that I'll just give honorable mention to is Escape, the Pina Colada song by Rupert Holmes, um, just because that song is <laughs> part, just so catchy. Part of me was going to pick that one, but I actually mentioned it quite a bit in your Pina Colada episode. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's one of those where you think about it, the actual... If you sit down and read about the lyrics, it's actually the the narrator of the song is a bit of an asshole. <laughs> oh, he's a huge asshole. Now, my yeah. my dad pointed that out to me. I, I remember a couple of years ago, my dad was like, "Have you ever thought about how that song is just about infidelity and just like a, <laughs> just a really horrible marriage?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's it's not nearly as upbeat as the tune would lead you to mm-hmm. think." But yeah, no, I'm tub thumping. Such a good song. I was just watching. I think it was Scream, um, some insanely 90s movie, and it was on at a party, and uh, it just, um, it just, yeah, I associate it with a lot of nostalgia. I love the lyrics. Um, My sister is five years younger than me, um, so she was born in 1999, so very much, you know, not a 90s kid. But and also even she's half a decade younger than me, but as a general rule, because we grew up together, I consider her and I to be in the same generation. Um, But I remember we were sat in my parents' basement um, probably like last Christmas or something like that. And, um, you know, my my dad was like, oh, Katie, what do you want to drink? 
And she was like, oh, I don't know. You know, what do we have? And my mom wasn't saying it. My mom was just like, well, you could have a whiskey drink. You could have a vodka drink. You could have soda drink. (laughs) And my sister just looked at my mom. Like, my dad and I are just laughing because obviously we got it immediately. And my sister... Who to be? I mean, my sister, like, one of her favorite shows is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, even though she's born in the late 90s, like, mm-hmm. she's she's very with it with a lot of 90s culture. But she looked at my mom like my mom was absolutely insane. And I was like, <laughs> this, I was like, this is where I actually, like, you and I aren't in the same generation. I was like, because, like, that song, I mean, I was really young when that song came out and when it was popular. But my mom started saying that and I immediately was like, tough something. And my sister just had no idea. So fun little anecdote there, but yeah. Because I, th- what? Because I rem- okay. This is um. I remember it was just before it came out in the summer, after I just left primary school and went to secondary. So I was what eleven at the time, um. And I remember it coming on radio in on the radio in um. In the lead up to it, and for, when I first, I remember I I can remember listening to it on the radio for the first time. And I remember, I can remember because I remember thinking to myself that um, it was a song by I think either one of the football teams, either Arsenal or Manchester United, because the last couple of years there was this habit of the English football teams um, who got to the FA Cup final releasing songs, uh, right? Um, and I can remember um, a couple of years before buying "Come On Your Reds," sung by Man United. Um, Back in the time when I followed football, and like any person who never lives in Manchester, followed Manchester United. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and um, for some reason, because of the kind of crowd chanting, like the kind of crowd um, chorus vocals and um, gang vocals, I see um, of like the chorus and stuff. I assumed it was just a football team singing a song about it, and and like I can't remember when I realised it wasn't, but for some reason that memory's always stuck with me, and. Me thinking it was a football team has just stuck with me, and uh, yeah, no, I know. I say I think I, I was torn between. I was that just about mystics. I thought no, no, we talked about it on the pod, on Piccadilly. So I, I won't mention it, but uh, I'll give it an honourable mention. But no, it's I. I'll defend that song. I will defend that song. Oh yeah, it's great. It's, it's so, I just yeah, I just think like it, if if you're anywhere, if that song comes on, people just go absolutely crazy. It's just so. So was that a one-hit wonder, or did they ever have any other hits? I don't think they did in the U.S. Um, I don't think they actually had any, any hit, any big hits. They've had they released a few singles. I've just got their Wikipedia article because they they released uh, because I remember out of curiosity, um, back in the days of when you torrent stuff, I thought, oh, the complete discography of Tumblewumba, <laughs> and there was a bet, and there is. One, two, three. Well, they've the amount of albums they've released is in double figures, so they've released a load of um, songs and stuff. I'm looking uh, at it now as well. They didn't even disband until 2012. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but they've and to be fair, they've been starting in the early 80s, and um, the only song that I know of is is mainly because I was basically looking at YouTube years ago to see have they done anything else and realizing how much they've done. Um, and I think they did have singles, but there was nowhere near as good big as bigger or successful as yeah. well or at least I, I'm unaware of anyway no it's just it's interesting um it, it, it's a, a that's why I was asking because that I have noticed ever since I moved um to the UK and like my boyfriend's music taste is very British centric I've noticed that there are a lot of bands that like as an American I grew up thinking they were just one like to, to like okay I I don't think this 
But I think there's a lot of Americans who would just assume that Oasis was a one-hit wonder with Wonderwall because it, none of Oasis's other songs were popular in America. Um, I think Britain. I think Britain is starting is starting to kind of wish to the one-hit wonder at times <laughs> as well. But um, to fair, to fair, I think the two album wonder. I think we can class them as. But uh, no, I think that's quite. No, I think that's quite interesting. I mean, um, in terms of the, the cultural stuff and. Um, I, I I was recently on an uh, American podcast music podcast um, and they asked me to kind of in a different kind of similar premise to pick a disc for them and I nominated a a, a group who were who are kind of really really big here but that not not didn't break out of the UK at all so I talked about Girls Aloud mm-hmm. and um, and like they just they looked at me as like huh um, yeah yeah and there was like. If he was in the UK, you'd think there was a, at one point as big as the Spice Girls, but they never ventured across the things, and it was kind of blew my mind that they didn't they didn't know who um, Girls Aloud were. There's so many examples that I mean, one of my favorite bands ever is Royal Blood. Um, absolutely love them, but I saw them in Chicago in I think 2015 um, in the Metro, which is my favorite concert venue in Chicago. But it is absolutely tiny. It's a tiny concert venue. It's it's a great place to see a show. But one of the reasons why it's so good is because it's so intimate. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, so that that was this was before I moved to the UK. And my dad, who's the one who introduced me to Royal Blood, he was like, you know, they sell out like massive stadiums in the UK. Oh, like they're yeah, huge. Was- yeah, like Wembley and you know, the Olympic stadium and all that. He's like, they play these like massive venues. And I was like, that's crazy that they, like I, I they deserve to be that popular in the U S but I was like, I can't believe I saw them in this little dinky concert venue in Chicago and they're busy selling out mass stadiums in the UK. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, it's funny the culture behind that because it's so easy for music to spread these days through social media and everything's digital. Mm-hmm. I, I get, you know, 20 years ago that things would have just never crossed the pond, but now we share so much that um, it's funny to me that sometimes things still just are much more popular in one part of the world and not so much in others. Yeah. I think the the big one, the kind of joke one I always think of is that um, in Germany, David Hasselhoff's like a musical icon. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas in in the Western world, he's seen as kind of like a not a joke, but a kind of like a pulp figure of a of yeah. an era gone by of like the nineties and the eighties. Whereas, like he was, he's like icon. He was like at the fall of the Berlin Wall and yeah. tied and stuff. And that that kind of blows my mind. That like he's like a national treasure in Germany, apparently. So it's so funny. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot a bit, but kind of stealing from the Picadus concept, if there was one of your five songs today that you had to listen to it every time you drink for the rest of your life, every time you have cider in Japan, the song has to play, <laughs> which one would you pick? Hmm. I'm going to have to go with Drinking in LA, mainly because, mainly because of the memory and kind of like how it's tied into a memory as well mm-hmm. um and i've got some and i've had i've got songs that kind of add i had like got personal legacies where you kind of have more than one memory tied to it um so yeah drinking a lie i think um yeah that song will never get tired i think and but the twang version i really really like the cover version so yeah the twang version of drinking a lie i think Excellent. Mm. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on Gin and Beer. This has been 
a lot of fun, the crossovers that we've done over the last month or so. Um, mm-hmm. Where can the listeners find you? Because I highly recommend that everyone listen to Pick a Disc if you're interested in music whatsoever. It's a great listen. Yeah, so you can find Pick a Disc uh, anywhere you catch podcasts. So it's pretty much... Uh, on all the major ones and if you can't find it please let me know and i'll try and put it on there um so if you just search for pick a disc it's on there you can find we're on twitter on uh as pick a disc instagram as pick a disc and facebook has surprise surprise pick a disc um we're hosted by the we made this network which has got loads of different other podcasts for you to try so if you're into your movies or if you're into your tv programs um, and other music as well um feel free to listen to any of the other we made these shows after you've listened to every episode of mine so um <laughs> yeah so yeah so yeah you can find us anywhere give me a shout great thanks matt well thanks so much for coming and we'll have to have you on another time uh, thank you for having me all right so that pretty much wraps us up for this week's episode of gin and beer it thank you so much again to matt from pick a disc for joining this week i had so much fun chatting to him about our favorite songs about drinking and like i said please be sure to check out pick a disc if you are any sort of music enthusiast whatsoever in particular my episode where we spoke about a fever you can't sweat out if you're a panic at the disco fan we had a lot of fun talking about it and insane that it is the 15th anniversary but apart from that thank you so much you guys for listening i hope that you have been enjoying the podcast as always please reach out via email instagram um gin and beer show gmail.com at gin and beer show if you have any suggestions any requests if you'd like to come on the show honestly i love talking about anything drinking related with anyone. So my inbox is always open and I hope you guys had a great Halloween and an excellent week. Cheers.